Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Pleasantly Persistent Podcast put on Rooted by Rooted Food Sales here with co-host Christy McGill. And today we will be having on John Craven, uh, the founder and CEO of BevNet. And I'm really looking forward to the conversation. All right. Good to see you, John. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Um, yeah. Do you mind uh, giving a brief uh, intro and then we can get into some some good topics and questions? Sure. Why not? Um, so I'm John Craven. I'm the founder and CEO of BevNet. Um, we cover the beverage industry as well as the natural food industry uh, on our site, nosh.com, and also the beer industry uh, through brewbound.com. And we too have, uh, well, I guess we have a couple podcasts now, but I'm on the Taste Radio podcast. So uh, yeah, hopefully that's a good uh, good intro. And uh, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Cool. All right. I'm going to open up a little more general. Uh, what is interesting to you about CPG right now? Well, yeah, right now. Well, you know, we've been through this roller coaster of of COVID. And I think, um, you know, we've gone from one thing to the next with supply chain issues and then, you know, fears in the financial markets. But, um, you know, what interests me, I mean, having been in this industry for, geez, 25 years at this point, um, you know, and having been through a, a recession before, um, you know, I think there's kind of always white space and, and, you know, ways to be a successful CPG entrepreneur. And right now I think we're all trying to figure out what those, um, you know, what those sort of parameters might be with the current climate. But um, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm just excited to, you know, see the next batch of entrepreneurs and what ideas they come up with. And, you know, we're here at the end of uh, a year or so ready to kind of get the next one started, to be honest. Yeah, totally. So like what is trending is interesting, but I'm actually a little more curious. What do you see is fading? Like what maybe was hot? Uh, sure. Attributes or yeah, and, and what what is what is kind of fading away? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'd say fading away, but things that were hot that maybe yeah. have hit some uh, uh, you know bumps in the road of various sizes. I mean, certainly all this plant based meat stuff, which you know is evident in public markets with you know companies like Beyond Meat. Um, you know, I think the other one that really was kind of on the cusp of having a big breakthrough, or at least people thought it was, uh, was cannabis. And, you know, I think in 2019, it was like people were just searching for products that you could put, you know, CBD into that no one had done before. And we like went through basically everything. Um, and, you know, I think that was something that looked like it would become uh, more, you know, federally legal. Um, but a lot of those companies have, you know, dialed back. Some companies have just gotten rid of CBD offerings, um, you know, and I guess outside of that, I mean, you know, <laughs> the trends that uh, I think have persevered are ones that are a little more macro, uh, for example, like, you know, lower sugar, um, is a, is a big one. I mean, that's been going on in beverage for, you know, geez, a decade plus. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of really good offerings out there and I'd say that for food products too. So. Totally. And it's like, when you get something, 
yeah, like low sugar, like why would that ever, that's how it should be. So that it should not be like a fat. That should just be the way, the way it is. Totally. And I think, you know, where we've gotten to with just sweeteners and the technology for it certainly has enabled like, you know, those products to actually taste good now too, which is huge. So, so totally. So Chris, I'm just thinking one more and I'll give it some space. So along with sweeteners, man, like I feel like there's so many sweeteners and I'm just like curious how it, and I'm not saying you have the answers. I don't know the answers. Like some that like, like I was at the plant-based expo and right. Like people just share like front of label or excuse me, like front of package, like all the amazing attributes and then back of it. I'm like, there's so many sweeteners now. I'm like, are some of these going to like present themselves as like really not healthy? Like I saw, I won't even say them out loud, but yeah, it's just interesting because there's so many options for natural sweeteners now. And I feel like some maybe like not sugar or high fructose corn syrup, but may present themselves as just not healthy. Um, I don't know about the not healthy side, but I do think that, you know, I look at it kind of the reverse, which is, you know, there's oftentimes a big kind of messing messaging and education hurdle of convincing a consumer that a new sweetener tastes good and, you know, is healthy. Um, I think a lot of the sweeteners otherwise are just sort of assume to have some kind of catch with them because, you know, that's where all this stuff came from back in the days of, you know, saccharin based sweeteners and high fructose corn syrup being like, you know, (laughs) the norms. Right. Um, so I think at this point, you know, I don't know, you know, there's, there's interesting stuff out there. There's, you know, a lot of progress that's been made in, in the sweeteners that are being used in lower sugar products, but I still feel like, you know, there, there's room for further innovation. These products will continue to taste better. So let's go back on beverages some, you know, beverages <laughs> continues to be this ever evolving category, especially I think when you pair it up with like the natural better for you and then the mm. functional beverage space, that space has obviously grown a ton within functional bev in the last decade, five years, and then really probably the last five years is really you've seen just a ton, right? You talked about CBD. There's been now the functional mushroom push into beverages. Um, and there's probably a bunch of other things that I've even missed seeing getting pushed into functional beverages. That category is especially interesting to me. It's one of my favorites. Um, what are you seeing as staying trends within functional beverage? What are you seeing that feels like the consumer is willing to pay for, but also what from like the buyer standpoint, are they continuing to want to buy and build out with? Um, Well, I mean, honestly, I think it's still sort of the basic uh, categories that um, are still like the strongest ones, you know, I think in functional like energy, you know, I mean, it's not, I think those of us in the industry, a lot of times, like, you know, we we're all knowledgeable on, you know, the fact that there are products with functional mushrooms in it, but you know, these things have very low awareness outside of the industry still. So, you know, there's a lot of products out there that are trying different things, adaptogens, nootropics. Um, those are all fine ideas. They're just sort of, you know, I would say longer tail, uh, innovation, like going to take a long time for those things to become truly mainstream. Um, so that's kind of a long-winded way of saying the things that like interest me the most are the ones that do it in such a way that like they're presenting a product that rather than it being radically new and different, which is super hard to sell and be successful at in a, a big way, they're products that just give you a little bit of something. You know, it's kind of like 
all of these kind of prebiotic sodas that are out there. It's like, everyone knows what soda is and we've just given you a little something more. Right. Um, and that's it, sort it of the, feels like, it feels like those types of products are almost more approachable, right? Like mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're trying to move the mainstream, they need to honestly be sometimes almost quieter about the attributes that maybe those of us from like the deeper health industry love and appreciate. But if you see them like high, not like hiding them, but it's not as forefront of the label, making it more of, applicable to a broader audience right. so that they can adapt over. Well, and I think also, look, you know, most of these things, they're, they're not supplements, you know, they're food and beverage products. And, you know, if you go to the beverage cooler and, you know, there's a product that's just screaming and block letters about all the functional benefits. I mean, whether you admit it or not, like you're subconsciously looking at that and, you know, like this is going to taste like crap, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, being subtle in this is that, again, I mean, that's like the magic that, or, or the art that someone has to create, you know, is like doing it in a way that it's credible, doesn't undermine like the core purpose of what you were going to the beverage cooler or snack aisle for, um, and still make it feel like it's credible, you know, and that's, that's hard. Um, you know, I think that's a place that a lot of brands, uh, you know, struggle to find that like, you know, happy medium where all those things click. I love, I love it. All right. Staying on beverage. So non-alk, I know we spoke about it a bit when I visited you. Um, and I know you're also passionate about alk. So, and I know there's kind of functional alcohol now, like yeah, I don't know a bit. Like I, I like Flying Embers. It's a really great, great brand. So what I'm curious about, and maybe it exists, but like for me, what I want to exist, so you can tell me if it exists, is almost like merging, well, kind of sort of like, well, like clean low out. Like does it a super clean, like one and a half percent? Like for me, like I love cracking cans. Like it doesn't matter if it's spin drift, <laughs> athletic, or like, right, like if I'm having delicious booze like it doesn't matter if it's a vodka soda or like like i just love just consuming so like and like i don't do well with booze like it just beats me up and so like does a one and a half percent clean label product exist and if not why not i mean the closest thing right now is probably you know kombucha um you know like some of the gt's classic but i don't i'm not really sure that anyone specifically made like a one percent um matt's a really niche category that yeah that would that would be i mean six of them to equal one beer like like for me like i love like it doesn't need to be a tailgate but like i would love to have like like even if it's an athletic like i like to have like four to five and like i don't do well with like so why doesn't like in flying embers is five percent i don't know what gt's is at like the lowest i see and obviously then you have like you know, the Bud Light, like the quote unquote crushable, like those are like sure. maybe like three and a half, four. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, typically at least, um, you know, I would say like 3%, you know, in some states, like if, you know, beer that's, or I don't remember what the exact wording of it is, but it's like 3% beer can be sold in like grocery stores and above that can. I think that's maybe that's Colorado. I'm not an expert oh. on that stuff, but um, yeah, I think some of it is just, you know, there are a lot of, um, I guess maybe I just call them, you know, headaches of being an alcoholic beverage as 
compared to a non-elk, right? I mean, starting with the fact that there's a three-tier system that's protected by law um, and different tax, uh, you know, implications. So I don't know. I mean, will we see something that's a real breakout product that's maybe in that 3% or lower? Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, at that point, it's sort of like, why not just go all in and go, you know, no, go for the that, full, you know, it's either athletic. go non-elk or just go yeah, in just and pick, have a, a pick a side. Be, yeah. be, because like, I would say not to give this too much energy, like for me, like, like, as I just like, I love, love the taste. It doesn't matter. Cocktail, wine, beer, they're all freaking delicious. Sure. Um, like, I, mean, I just don't, I just do pour. And like, I was at a wedding and I was getting these delicious beverage, this amazing cocktails. I'm like, when it came to the boost bar, I'm like, literally just like a splash of a splash. It was great. I had like five, six cocktails because they just had a splash. And I like, I had like a little <laughs> buzz. Maybe this is just me, but like, I think you're very, I think you're too small I mean, consumer population. Right, I rate. mean, you, you're basically looking for like a ranch water light or something. I mean, that probably exists. I don't, you know, I, <laughs> Not not uh, an area that I've kept a ton of track of, to be honest. Because I, I think people's complaint with that type of thing is that they wouldn't want the whatever the calorie count or whatever it is to drink multiple for that small yeah. amount of right. alcohol. All right. Um, I've, uh, thank, thank, thank you for entertaining me for, for a moment. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, so you spend a lot of time, obviously, talking to brands, talking to founders. Um, what What things do you hear or questions that get asked or even planning that gets spoken of that you know makes you cringe or makes you go oh that's really not going to work you, you know or the type of question that you like you got to reformat and think differently about this um well i guess i put that in kind of two buckets the first i think um a lot of times is just the way that people approach fundraising um and capitalizing their business which is sort of a boring technical necessity that um, I think a lot of times early stage entrepreneurs just rush into. And, you know, the sort of um, maybe this doesn't make me cringe, uh, but, you know, it's like, it's just going to lead to problems down the road. And, you know, it sort of results in you talk to someone a year or two later and they're like, I'm struggling to raise money because I took money from this person or, you know, I have too many people at my cap table or I don't own any of my company anymore. Um, I think that's the first one. The second I think is, you know, just approaching CPG with, you know, just like a super stubborn headstrong, like my product is right. You know, like it's not open for feedback or adjustment and I say that because, you know, a lot of times the big brands that people idolize, like, you know, they've gone through significant like iterations and in some cases pivots. Like, you know, I can't really think of a story maybe outside of Red Bull, to be honest, where like it's just the same product the whole way through. Um, but, you know, pretty much all the big like billion dollar plus exits, like if you looked at the original product, it probably had a lot of flaws to it. Um, and I think that's just something that, again, like, you know, you just, you have to be ready for that. It's really hard to figure out like what brand and what product a consumer actually wants to buy like repeatedly. Yeah. And it, I think for 100%. people when they develop something and they bring it to market, right. It, it becomes this thing for them that is hard to sometimes accept that criticism and also like take a step back and go, okay, maybe I think that this is exactly what it should be, but the consumer is not going to resonate with that. And I need to 
change if I want that to grow. I think especially in natural, you see a lot of people really just like dial in and dig in on like, well, these are the attributes it has to have. Right. And people just need to accept that they need this product, but you can't make people buy things. Yeah. And I think on that, you know, like sometimes people, they identify white space in the market where there's no product and, you know, they don't kind of sufficiently ask themselves, well, why is there no product there? Because sometimes like to your point there, like, you know, the education curve could be so steep that there's a reason no one has gone there, or maybe a bunch of brands have already gone there and they failed and you just don't see them on the store shelf today. So, you know, like you don't want to be one of those. Um, And again, I mean, I just think like, you've got to approach a CPG company as this like ball of clay that's going to have to be, you know, kind of twisted a little bit as time goes on. That's great. That's really great. All right. I'm going to leave you with these questions. All right. I'm going to go a one, two punch. Which brand do you just think has just the most just pop, sexiest, amazing branding? Like if you could have one trucker hat for one brand, <laughs> Who would you choose? And then right after that, I'm not going to ask for brand crush. Almost not fair. I'm going to ask what two brands do you buy the most of? Like every week you're buying it or the the most money you spend on brands every year. Sure. Well, I guess on the first one, um, I'm not a trucker hat guy. Uh, okay. But... Ho- hoodie, however. <laughs> I, okay. Then I'll ask. What, t-shirt? I don't know. Logo t-shirt. t-shirt best. The overall <laughs> brand like essence, right? When you think I, of like someone who's just like, they're all their marketing hits you. I mean, look, this is not like an original one here, but liquid death would be, you know, one for me right now. And that is also because I think, you know, what they're doing, it, it feels like one of those brands that, you know, I mentioned Red Bull before, like that was a brand that like, you know, made room for so many other brands to kind of push the envelope. And I sort of feel like that's what Liquid Death, um, you know, is doing today. And, you know, we obviously won't see that for, you know, a bunch of years, but I do feel like it's such a different approach. Um, so pretty, pretty excited to see where that one goes. Um, on the second, I mean, honestly, you know, the first one for me is a no brainer, which is harmless harvest coconut water. Um, I don't, I don't know why. I mean, that's just like one of those products I really like. Um, geez, after that, God, I'm probably going to get into like alcohol or something, but, um, What's your favorite alcohol? man, I think I got to think for a second. I'm, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm sure you guys are the same. It's like you go into like, you know, a Whole Foods and the amount of like, you know, stuff that I end up buying and trying is like out of control. I'm not um, safe in Whole Foods. I try not to go yes, in there anymore. Yes. <laughs> uh, honestly, probably the other one that I'm really into right now is the uh, the Vista Hermosa uh, tortillas. Um, you know, just a staple good. Those are like the best packaged tortilla out there. Um, I find myself basically trying to eat tacos for like every meal. So yeah. nothing wrong with that tacos for every meal. I'm in on that one. <laughs> yeah. Can't go wrong. Yeah. Uh, cool. Well, thank you, sir. Uh, where is the best place for people to find you and connect with you? Um, basically pick a platform. I'm probably on there. Uh, most yeah. of the time, uh, BevNet Craven. Um, but my email is jcraven at bevnet.com. Uh, pretty easy to get a hold of. DM on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, whatever you want. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you very much. All right. Thanks, guys.